It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. The Leech Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leech Report or email leechreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody. Welcome in to the show for a Tuesday. Thanks to uh, Dick Gabriel for pinch hitting yesterday. Took a little uh, excursion with uh, the family. And one day was, was for myself. Went out to Arlington Park in Chicago, which unfortunately, sadly, is likely to be demolished and the land developed um, after this racing season. And so I've had some fun trips there over the years with my dad and uh, my uh, my wife. And um, so we uh, or I wanted to go back to see it one last time uh, in case it got torn down. One of the possibilities is the Bears could end up uh, putting it, uh, somebody could buy the land, put, the, put a Bear stadium. There's one thing that's been talked about. I hope they keep it as a racetrack. There's one group trying to do that. But anyway, not to uh, get into that issue. It was just a fun Fun trip, had a good day, and then uh, hit a couple of museums on Sunday in Chicago, and then came back yesterday. Just a nice little uh, break before jumping with both feet into Kentucky football this week. And we'll talk uh, about the Cats uh, and more coming up today with our lineup of guests, Ken Spencer from WHAS-TV in Louisville, Larry Vaught from com, and Derek Terry from the Cats Paws. Derek also covers U.K. baseball, so we'll talk a little bit about uh, the roster shakeup that they've had heading into uh, next spring and also uh, maybe a little red since uh, Derek is a big Reds fan and the Reds unfortunately took one on the chin last night but they've been playing pretty well Wildcat news of the day and uh, we'll start with football practice and uh, it's underway now after uh, what looked to be a very really fun uh, media day and fan day experience for everybody on Friday and Saturday uh, this week's uh, on Saturday afternoon and, and Sunday is when you'll want to be paying attention to the intel uh, that is out there on social media or anywhere else from people whose opinions that you trust. Because this week, uh, I'm assuming, uh, I haven't uh, confirmed yet with the folks over the football office, but generally the way it works is they have a scrimmage on this uh, first Saturday after a week of practice, and then they have a second scrimmage, and then that's it for uh, for scrimmages. They on Saturdays they'll do some uh, eleven on eleven, uh, good against good work, maybe in practice, but a very limited basis. So those two scrimmages are what essentially is going to tell you what the the depth chart looks like to start the season. And usually the the first one, and that's this will will likely be this Saturday, that's where if you are are watching that scrimmage, you have a pretty good idea of who they they think the the starters or the rotation guys are going to be. Could still change, but um, that's uh, usually that first one is is where you get an indication. It takes a, you know, pretty strong run at that point for somebody or a pretty 
serious case of uh, of poor performance for somebody to slip back once they've established themselves on the depth chart into and after that first scrimmage. A um, couple of scrimmage stories from just past years. Uh, one, uh, I remember Stephen Johnson's first year. Remember they had um, uh, scrambled to find a backup quarterback because uh, they, they needed uh, one more body there behind uh, Drew Barker. But Drew was locked in as the starter, had uh, a, a tremendous first game uh, back in 2016, but then got hurt down at Florida and then uh, hurt again the next week against I think it was New Mexico State. And um, Steven Johnson you know, came in and, and had a, a great couple of years here running the quarterback, running the offense from the QB spot. But it was in those scrimmages that I first saw Steven uh, throwing some – deep balls down the sideline in particular and just thought wow yeah i'd seen him in the spring and and hadn't been that impressed quite frankly but by the fall he had really stepped up his game and i thought wow i like he throws a nice ball i'd like you know, i'd like to see what this guy could do uh and we got a chance to see it he did very well and then uh, also that uh, year was benny snell's first year and that first scrimmage uh, I was watching him uh, run through over, more over than than uh, around defenders, and yet he was way further down on the depth chart, and it was a case where he was you know, going against third and fourth stringers. And, yeah, I thought, wow, that kid is impressive, but let's wait and see. You know, he'll, he'll likely move up next week on the depth chart, and they'll take a more serious look and put him in against the ones and twos, and let's see if he can do it uh, against those guys. Well, they did, and he did, and the rest is, is history for Benny Snell. So um, that's uh, one of the, the things to, I would tell you, just to kind of watch for this week after the scrimmage happens. Uh, just um, pay attention to people whose opinion you trust, what you're, uh, what you're hearing. A couple of other notes, then we'll get to our uh, our guests. Wide receivers coach Javon Booknight's legal case has been resolved, uh, pleaded guilty to driving more than 25 miles per hour over the speed limit and to having an open container of alcohol in his vehicle. So uh, that has been uh, resolved now. The uh, NBA Summer League underway. Emmanuel quickly had a big game for the New York Knicks with 32 points. Uh, Maxi Therese had 21 for the Sixers, and B.J. Boston for the Clippers had 10 points, and he uh, came out and signed a two-year deal for the most money uh, from a report I saw ever given to a player who was drafted in the 50s. So congrats to uh, B.J. Boston. Jamin Davis reportedly has been named the starter at middle linebacker for the Washington football team. Uh, The Steelers have waived Calvin Taylor, but it's a roster move. They needed to open up a spot on the roster. Calvin's injured. And when he gets healthy, if he has cleared waivers, nobody's picked him up, then he could return to uh, the Steelers. Uh, John Toth, former Kentucky center, he has been signed by Washington. So where the Lions waived Drake Jackson, uh, uh, disappointed to see that. But if you're going to get waived as, as a rookie, better that it happens early and you have a chance uh, for your agent to find you another spot where somebody, uh, maybe there's an injury somewhere else, uh, some, you know, some spot you can uh, – get involved with and have a chance to to make a team. So good luck to Drake. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We are headed to a break. When we come back, Kent Spencer from WHAS-TV will join us here in the Clark's Pump and Shop studio. Leach Report, Radio Network. 
It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Tuesday edition of our show, we go to the drinksword.com hotline. Bring on Kent Spencer from WHAS TV in Louisville at WHAS 11 Kent on Twitter. So you getting pumped with football season on the horizon? You know, I went to my first high school practice yesterday, and it really kind of hit me. Um, you know, we've been talking, you know, about you know Kentucky and Louisville and everybody else for for a while. But yesterday, just actually being there and seeing pads popping a little bit that that got me going. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm more than ready. I think everybody is, especially fans. To I think to get back in a stadium and cheer for their team and tailgate and have that whole experience. Uh, you know, football is somebody described it once. Uh, you know, basketball is uh, an, an event. Uh, f- football, a football, college football game is a weekend commitment. And I think fans are so eager to to get back to that the social part of, of that as well as just the games that um, you know it's going to be um, a lot of uh, buzz on those first couple of weekends of September. No, I, 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 and I think it kind of started with Sandy a little bit. Remember, you know, this, this, this can happen a year ago. So it's been a couple of years before, you know, fans were able to kind of come out and, and watch practice live. And I think, you know, to be able to do that was a big deal. But, yeah, to be able to, to show up at, at Kroger Field or, or wherever anybody goes and to set up the tailgate and to get around and hang out a little bit, um, no, I, I think people, that's, that's something that people are dying to do. Um, and they're just, and they're going to get that chance coming up. And, and guess what? I mean, you know, we say, what is it? Like, we're about a little less than a month away. It's going to be here before you know it. It it always does. Uh, Kent, did you cover Kentucky's uh, media day on Friday? I I didn't cover it. I, I wasn't physically there, but I mean, I've I've watched everything um, that happened, everything that was said from from Mark Stoops and Brad White. And, and Liam Cohen and some of the players that, that we talked to. So what were the things that you, when you heard them uh, or saw somebody on a, on a highlight that, uh, that you found most interesting? You know, the one thing that I would say about, um, I think, you know, some of the things that kind of pop out to you is just, you know, you hear about Will Levis's arm strength, but until you see it and until the, you know, the, the ball comes out of his hands, um, until you see that with your own eyes, you know, that was, that was something to see. I saw that on tape. Um, and, and a lot of the other things, I don't really put a whole lot of stock in. And I'll, and this is why I'll tell you this, um, because they were just in helmets. You know, you, you find out who kids are and who players are when the pads come on. Because, you know, that ball comes out maybe a little different with shoulder pads on or, you know, guys run a little bit different with all their pads on, or they're maybe a little bit more physical than they would be with without pads. So, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, we're going to learn a lot more about this team, or the coaches are going to learn more about what they've got after that first scrimmage that, that I would assume will be probably at the end of this week. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, clearly some good signs. I mean, I, I still think with this team, the question remains, who's going to be the quarterback and can they play at a high level? Yeah, I was saying in the opening segment that if you're a, a fan and pay attention to the people whose opinions you trust that have any intel that comes out of this first scrimmage because the the first scrimmage uh, for a college football team at, at this point uh, in the you know, second weekend of August is a reflection of 
what they've what the coaches have seen thus far. But on that first scrimmage, they're going to put them under that test of fire that you talked about, and some changes could come out of that depth chart. Once that happens, though, it's I think it's harder to make a, a move. Things are are pretty more not you know, entirely locked in, but it's harder to, to make a move one way or the other after that point. So this first scrimmage is usually the most newsworthy, I think. It, especially if you're a newcomer. Yeah. Because at this point, you know, they're trying to evaluate who's up to speed up to this point because obviously they're they're reinstalling a, a ton of stuff. So it's, it's who's up to speed mentally and then physically who can handle it. I think after the first scrimmage, you know, when they have a plan maybe to redshirt guys or, or you know, kind of have guys maybe take a step back, you're right. I think once that happens, like, this is about positioning. Do you continue to get – you're always going to continue to get work. But do you continue to get work like you may play? And I think that happens after the first scrimmage. For newcomers, it's especially important. If you want to play early, this is your time to shine. Or you need to shine, you know – after that, in that first scrimmage. First, these scrimmages are not going to be open to the media. You guys will have a chance to talk to the coaches and players afterward. But if you could watch, what would you be most interested to pay attention to? Well, quarterbacks. I mean, I think for me, you know, quarterbacks would be the first thing. Um, you know, I would be, you know, I know Isaiah Cummings moved to tight end, um, which I think for him is a really good move. Um, and I think for Kentucky, that could be a really good move just because, you know, if you look in college football and you even look in the NFL now with the way that teams spread you out, they try to get mismatch, uh, mismatches on people, you know, tight ends that look like Isaiah Cummins, especially if he can gain, I think he said he wants to gain five or 10 more pounds. Um, I think that those kind of, those kind of matchups can be an absolute nightmare for defenses and, um, you know, we're talking about Isaiah in Kentucky. Could be a huge benefit for Kentucky um, to have somebody out there like that. I mean, that could be a real weapon. That would be somebody that I would pay a ton of attention to. And just some of the other receivers. I mean, you, you know that they want to get Wandale Robinson in, involved, uh, but you you got to be able to see it with your own eyes. As far as the quarterbacks, uh, you know, I, I uh, was out of town, so I didn't see uh, the, you know, in person will throw in the football, but I saw the reports and, you know, people just really remarking about how the strength of his arm. And, um, but as you point out, still, but, you know, is, is everything the same once you put on the pads? And when you get tested under fire, um, you know, with people coming at you, even though they can't hit the quarterbacks. Uh, so this will be the, the week, I think, that they won't announce who the starting quarterback is, but I think after Saturday scrimmage, they'll pretty much know, right? You know, I wouldn't even say that. I mean, I, I just think just because, um, you know, for, for Will, it's going to be the first week. I think this thing's going to drag out, you know, a little bit longer. You know, it'd be nice, I think, for them. But, you know, I, I don't think that they're, you know, that they need a shroud of secrecy kind of headed into that first game. Um, but I think it will probably play out a little bit longer just because, you know, Saturday was the first time the coaches, Got to see Will Levis in a in a in a practice, and obviously those were without pads. I think it'll drag out a little bit longer. Maybe somebody gets eliminated. Maybe somebody has a, a really bad day. But look, I mean, this is about you know not. It's great to have a cannon, and it's great to be able to make all the throws. But I think even in the limited time that we saw Bo Allen and, and Joey Gatewood last year, 
I think those two guys can make all the throws. It's about being able to, you know, if, if you're in a bad play and, and you have that capability and, and, and Liam Cohen and, and Mark Stoops gives that quarterback the freedom, it's about getting into a better play. It's about being able to make the right reads and throw on time and get the ball out of your hands. Um, I, that, the guy who does those things the best, and, and clearly, I mean, I think, you know, Cohen said it, you know, uh, on Friday, last Friday, you know, don't, obviously don't turn the ball over and convert on third downs. I mean, it takes all of that. The guy who does that the best is going to win the job. Everybody will be focusing on the downfield throws. I think just as important for winning that job is going to be which one of those guys can hit that swing pass to a running back or Rondell, Wondell Robinson on a, you know, uh, some kind of short screen and hit them moving upfield and not make them have to reach back for the ball. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, look, if you look, watch the NFL on Sundays, I mean, you know, not every throw that Tom Brady makes is down the field. He makes the right play. You know, Peyton Manning is the same kind of guy. Patrick Mahomes, the same way. I mean, those guys, they just make the right plays. A lot of times it's taking what the defense gives you. Um, but, you know, that's why sometimes it's the offensive coordinator's job to try to dial something up and, and and be able to take shots down the field. But ultimately it's about making the right play and moving the chains and taking your shots when they're there and being able – see, the thing about it is is oftentimes guys are open downfield but the quarterback doesn't see it. you got to be able to have that innate ability to be able to see the guy down the field. Ken Spencer, thank you much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate At it. At WHAS11 Kent on Twitter. Right back with Larry Vaught on the Leach Report. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. Just a short segment here with uh, our next guest, Larry Vaught, on the DrinkSword.com hotline. And we'll hold him over and uh, get into some other topics. But uh, let's just uh, give a quick salute, Larry, to Jensen Castle. We had her on the show back earlier in the summer when she qualified for the Women's U.S. Open out in San Francisco. Maybe that experience paid off this past week. But what an accomplishment to be the 63rd seed and win the U.S. Uh, women's amateur. I tell you, Tom, it's just incredible to have a have a rib injury, not get to play for a while, just barely get cleared in time to go to the amateur, make a hotel room for three nights, just take enough clothes for a few days, survive a 12-player playoff to get into the field as a number 63 seed, and she knocks off the number two seed, and she knocks off the, the best amateur in the world, the defending NCAA champion, and the top-rated amateur from last year to win. So just incredible. Just an amazing accomplishment. About as good as anything I've ever seen any U.K. athlete do. That's a strong statement. More from Larry Vaught when we come back with the second half of the Leach Report. The Clark's Pump and Shop Studio in Lexington, Kentucky. It is the Leach Report. Larry Vaught on the line with us. You can read him at vaughtsviews.com and yoursportsedge.com. Just saw a clip on Twitter that was retweeted of Dekel Crowdis catching a post route. Couldn't see who threw it, but catching a post route for a touchdown in a practice uh, over the weekend uh, or yesterday. I'm not sure when. But anyway, he's wearing number three, Larry. And I see this smallish, fast guy wearing number three in Kentucky colors. And you know what flashed to my mind? Has to be the one and only Craig East. Craig East. That's right. Uh, I don't know. 
uh, how Dekel compares to him, and I don't want to say, don't want to put that uh, uh, up there for him to, uh, you know, have to be burdened with. But you know, uh, it, it's a just, it, it's going to be fun to see that kind of explosiveness in the passing game. Hopefully, back in the Kentucky offense. Yeah, it is. I mean, they, they seem like they have several freshman receivers who, on paper, certainly bring something they haven't had at that receiver spot in a, in a bit. And he certainly is one we, we know a lot about because we watched him play most of his high school career at Frederick Douglass. Just tremendously fast, a really good athlete. I think the main thing he, from talking to him, he just has to get a little bit more comfortable in the playbook, and he wants to be able to learn multiple positions if he can to get a little bit more versatility for what he could be able to do. But, again, as, as Anthony White keeps telling me, when you have speed, you, you can find a way to use that guy because if nothing else, you just use him to clear the field out because <laughs> everybody knows how fast it, and they have to pay attention to him, and he can just take people out of a spot where you want to use something else. So just the threat of that speed gives you a dimension that can change a lot of things for your offense. Uh, give me some of the things you took away from your media day experience and the open practice, if you got to see that. Well, well the main thing I, I've taken away, Tom, is just the confidence that this team seems to have. Not a cockiness or anything, but just confidence that they can play, starting with the head coach and going all the way down. Everybody seems to just talk about the depth that they have, the off-season work that they have have put in, and they just really, to me, don't are, are not hoping to have a good season. They know they're going to have a good season, and I've been around a lot of Kentucky teams that went into seasons hoping they were going to be good, but you could tell they really were kind of still wondering and all, but I think this team really believes and knows it's going to be good. Yes, they have some questions, but the good thing about the questions they have, they have a lot of potential answers to every one of them, and, and again, I've seen a lot of years where they had questions with no answers, so th- this is really, really uh, uh, intriguing to me. And then I think the other thing is, I didn't think you could have a more fascinating character than Max Duffy on the team, but I believe they might have one with Wilson Berry. Really? What? Uh, yeah. Elaborate on that. Well, I was talking to him. Max had told me to ask him about how he got his nickname Bangers, and it came from playing music on the on a Australian footy trip. When he was up front of the bus playing the party music, and they would say something about the banger, and the next thing you know, he just kind of had the nickname Bangers. And so I asked him if he thought Mark Stoops ever put him on the front of the Kentucky football party bus, and he said, well, on a road trip. And he said he sure hopes so, that maybe even Stoops could even serve him a little bourbon if he did. So <laughs> <laughs> that's not exactly a line I can remember hearing at a media day before, but when you're 24 and have been through what uh, w- w- Wilson has, and I think he has a lot of things like that he's going to share, and I think he's going to be a really good punter too, but I just think his uniqueness and his character is really going to be good, and it should be really good for a locker room too, I would think. Let's go uh, back to something you were talking about earlier um, and the, the confidence that you sensed. Where do you think that comes from? I think it just comes from uh, the fact that they have, have done this under Stoops. They've got continuity with the head coach, they've got a lot of players back, but they just have this perform- past performances to look on and say, hey, here's what we do, and if we do that, here's how it's going to work. And then I think guys coming back can sense the changes that were made in the coaching staff, and, and they big believers in Liam Cohen really quick, it looks like. 
and they they really like a lot of the new pieces that they've added through the transfer portal. So I, I just think all these guys know what it takes to win, and they see that they've got what it can take to win. And I think they maybe I just sense not that they haven't put in a lot of off season work before, but maybe I just have a feeling that they think they did it even better this off season and what they've done in the past three or four years. Story up at uh, vaultsviews.com. Uh, there's one about Jensen Castle we were talking about before the break, but also the latest one is about uh, Isaiah Cummings and the move to tight end. And uh, we referenced Craig East earlier that this brings to mind another former Wildcat from uh, your area over Danville Way. And you know, Jacob Tammy was one of the guys at wide receiver, but Joker Phillips took over as offensive coordinator and moved him to tight end. Uh, for the last game of the season down at Tennessee, and he caught a couple of touchdown passes, and uh, the rest is, is history for Jacob. And uh, Don't know if Isaiah's going to do that. Hope he does, but uh, it seems like a similar type of move. Yeah, it does, and Jacob was very open to that move, Pretty obviously like what Isaiah was. And and, and I know just not everything Joker did with Kentucky football ended up being the, the right moves. But that move sure worked out well for Kentucky and for, and for Jacob Tammy. If the and other ones had worked out as well as that one did, he'd still be here. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> and you can see some similarities at this stage in making the move with Cummings, just like what you did with, with Jacob, because I don't think Isaiah – I don't know how much he was going to factor into that wide receiver position this year with the people that they had brought in. He was probably going to be in there some, kind of like what Jacob was, but at a tight end going forward – he has a chance to maybe be a dynamic playmaker, a lot like Jacob was. And I think that's a, that's a good change. It's a, certainly a new direction for a tight end, and maybe we'll give them something they haven't had in a, quite a while there. College football lost a, a legend over the weekend in Bobby Bowden. Never have uh, occasion to cross paths with him? I, I did. Probably the time I crossed paths with him the most is when Jacob Tammy won the Bobby Bowden FCA award. And I went to the ceremony, and, and he was there, and also had a chance to talk to him about Jacob winning the award. Uh, just a fabulous man. I also talked to him a little bit when his son, Tommy, was uh, coaching at Kentucky. So the, the few experiences I had with Bobby Baden were just the same as what I would have thought they would be based on everything I'd seen and, and heard about him, just as genuine and down-to-earth, and a guy that was just as happy to talk to the, the, a guy from the newspaper in Danville, Kentucky, as he was to talk to Sports Illustrated. You could uh, tell how genuine the the you know feelings were about him from so many different uh, places uh, that I was reading and, and hearing over the weekend. And the thing that that struck me, and this would you know, a guy who uh, at one point had the all time record for wins, uh, won a couple of national championships, had Heisman Trophy winners, all of these accomplishments as a football coach. And very little of the things that people talked about had to do with with games and, and wins and, and all of that. Uh, it had to do with um, Bobby Bowden as a, as a person and the, the way he treated people. And you know, just kind of you know, if if we if we all strived to have people remember us that way, world probably be a better place. Yeah, sure. I, I was listening to, I don't remember where, but I was listening to Nick Saban talk about that when his uh, father passed away. And I forget where Nick said he was coaching, but that Bobby Bowden called. And he didn't really know him, but Bobby was a coach at West Virginia and said, hey, I, I, I know the loss you just had. If you'd like to come and coach on my staff, be back closer to home, closer to your mother, I'll make a spot for you. And Nick Saban said that's something he never forgot, that you could be a head coach and still have a human side to you like that. 
And I thought that was a pretty cool story that I'd never heard before. But when I did, it, it, it didn't surprise me. There are just some people that do things like that, and Bobby Bowden was one of them. Absolutely. Uh, one other story that uh, we'll touch on from com. You caught up to uh, Seth Greenberg. I actually reached out to Seth for the show today, but he was traveling for Summer League, so we'll get him on again soon. But you um, got him to, to talk about uh, Kentucky basketball for the coming season and um, you know if Kentucky should have tried to uh, land Kofi Coburn uh, or could have landed Jalen Duran. Yeah, because I, I was just kind of interested. I always like his in- insights, and so I just called him and I said, well, it wasn't easy because he is traveling a lot right now, but just wondered if he thought not getting either one of those was going to have a significant impact on Kentucky, and I was kind of surprised a little bit that he said he actually thought maybe not getting them was the, and I'm paraphrasing now, was better for Kentucky because he didn't know how it was going to work with one of those guys and Oscar because there just weren't going to be enough minutes that the, and he worried about how the team chemistry might be. And he, he's really high on Oscar, and the one thing that he said about Oscar kind of stuck out to me was telling me that he's, that he's a better shooter than most people, including me, obviously, realized from, from the perimeter and that Cal can still play the the way that he wants with spreading the floor with Oscar in there because Oscar can step out and hit that shot. Uh, Larry Vaught, thank you much as always. We'll talk to you next Tuesday. All right, Tom. Heading to a break. Back with Derek Terry from the Cat's Paws when we return here on the Leach Report. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Back to the DrinkSword.com hotline. We bring on Derek Terry from Catspaws.com. Derek, I'll uh, start with a question I was just asking uh, Larry Vaught earlier. From uh, your media day experience, what were the things you found most interesting that you either heard from someone or saw? Um... I think I would probably say um, probably go with J.J. Weaver. I wasn't really sure what to expect in terms of his recovery. We had heard down in Hoover from Mark Stoops that uh, J.J. had been making good progress with his ACL surgery, but uh, you know, saw him on Friday for media day. Uh, looked like he'd been recovering pretty well. And then on Saturday out at the open practice, he was going through drills, uh, had his knee brace on. He, you know, He's not full contact. They were just in helmets on Saturday. Um, but I wasn't really sure in terms of a timeline when he would be back, if it would be mid-season, maybe later, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking that, uh, you know, I know that they want to be cautious, but I kind of think that come the Missouri game, he might be able to give them a few snaps um, if they need them. If he could get on the field that early, then maybe I would think that maybe by October he could perhaps be up to, to where he's at, you know, somewhere much closer to full speed. I would, I would think so. I mean, he's, uh, you know, that was another part too. Uh, talking about JJ, I thought the praise that was heaped upon him uh, by defensive coordinator Brad White, talking about how during the Florida and uh, Alabama games that if you turn on the tape, he was as dominant as uh, any player out there on the field. And I mean, that's a redshirt freshman that we're talking about. But, well, last year, you know, he was a redshirt freshman. And going into his third season now, um, I mean, I think had he stayed healthy. At the end of last year, you probably would have had more people you know, talking about him going into this season. Um, you got Pascal as, and Yusuf Corker as guys who have been around a long time, but I wouldn't have been stunned. And he might still end up being this, but I wouldn't have been stunned if 
by the end of the season, JJ ended up being Kentucky's best defensive player. He's the guy that, at full strength, would be the most likely to uh, significantly upgrade their pass rushing capability, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. Um, and I actually like Jordan Wright quite a bit. Um, you know, Jordan's thing his whole career, if you listen to the coaches talk, it's just kind of been about consistency. But uh, Jordan's kind of been that, you know, guy in the right spot at the right moment. I mean, he's had, uh, I think, two career touchdowns. He had the touchdown in the bowl game on the fumble recovery. And then last year against Mississippi State, he had the uh, pick six. So he does some good things. But with J.J., depending on when he's, you know, going to be back. I do think depth is a is a little bit of a concern out there. You know, they got Justice Stingle. He transferred in here from Georgia Tech. Um, he, you know, you at least have a guy with some college experience uh, who can fill in. But he's he's a little different than uh, than Jordan and JJ. I mean, you, got, you know, Jordan and JJ are both probably around six foot five, two hundred thirty, two hundred forty pounds, pretty athletic. You know, Justice is probably not as tall, and he's a little heavier than those guys. So. Kind of a different look out there, but still, I think you would rather take your chances with a guy who's played a couple of years of Power 5 football versus, you know, a young guy who they might have to sit in out there. Chat with Derek Terry. It's at Derek S. Terry on Twitter from the Cat's Paws. Uh, uh, saved a story of yours that uh, when we got you on the show, I wanted to uh, get you to uh, expound on. And it was about the players that out of Media Day from Kentucky that were chosen for the all SEC teams. And, Darian Kennard, Josh Paschal, Yusuf Corker, Chris Rodriguez, and Luke Fortner, first, second, or third team uh, for those guys. Uh, but the story talks about six players that you list that uh, could be in the running for an all-SEC type of recognition by the end of the season. And it's uh, Wandale Robinson, uh, Josh Ali, Dare Rosenthal, Marquan McCall on the defensive side, um, Get the pages stuck together here. Uh, Jordan Wright, and uh, there's one. Well, didn't get the. Oh, there it is on the the print uh, on it. And then Cedric Dort, I think the other. Um, yeah. For the upcoming season, of those six guys, uh, who are what would the top one or two be in terms of what you think? Who which of them could most impact Kentucky's season? I'd say the one on offense is definitely Wendell Robinson. Um, I, I thought, and I think I probably wrote that in the story, I can't remember, but uh, based off of who the SEC media voted for for the preseason, they definitely stuck with, with the guys that played in the league the year before. I mean, I thought Wendell, he, he was on the ballot. I voted for him for all purpose. I thought he might have had a case. Um, but if, he, if he's healthy, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt he's going to lead Kentucky and catches this year. I think he's going to put up one of the better uh, pass catching seasons of the Mark Stoops era. That would be my guess, just with the volume he's going to get. Um, so, and, he, and he's already a name too. I mean, he's a guy that people already know about. He played two years at Nebraska. Was a you know, freshman. Was a finalist for the Horning Award as a freshman. So, uh, a big high school recruit too. So, I mean, his name's already out there. I think it's, it's definitely possible he's going to end up on the All SEC team by the end of the year. And then defensively, it's a little different with this position, just because they don't really rack up the stats, but. I think Marquand McCall. I think with his, you know, what what the nose guard means in Kentucky's three four defense and how important that is. I mean, it sounds like he's very focused this year. If he comes in and then plays really well and can occupy a lot of that offensive front and allow those other guys to go around and make plays, uh, it's, it's definitely one of those awards that I think you know you got to get some support from the coaches at that position just to kind of talk about the importance of the 
the rest of the media kind of understands what he means to them. But th- th- those would probably be my two, just because they're. I think that's a spot that if he can dominate the competition there at Nose Guard in terms of the other people, maybe won't be as tough as others. I mean, you think about how many good you know cornerbacks there are in the SEC. Cedric Dort have to have a really great year to um, to finish on the you know, all-SEC team. The same with Jordan Wright. I mean, when I was filling out my ballot for – there were like four guys from Alabama you could have put on the first team all SEC linebacker list. It's just ridiculous how many guys they have down there. Plus, you get you know Henry Toto from uh, Tennessee transferring down there too. So you know the competition stiff with most positions, but I, I would say Robinson and McCall for sure are two guys that I think with a good season could definitely find their names on that list. Derek, you also uh, cover UK baseball, and uh, we got about thirty seconds here. So just a quick thought: uh, several guys have, have left. But with this transfer portal, a lot of new faces coming into the baseball program. What's the the net look like to you in terms of the strength of the personnel? Well, yeah, you definitely have to count on the guys coming in here. Um, a little bit of a gamble just because they're from you know lower levels, but still it's hard to – they have 2,400 new at-bats basically. That's a lot of experience coming back. To me, the big thing this year is the pitching. If they can develop the pitching staff, I think they'll have a chance. It's, it's probably by far the deepest staff. Maybe he doesn't have the high-end talent that some of those early teams under Bengio had, but I think they got a lot of bodies to work with there. I do think they're in a spot where they should at least be uh, competitive this year. And um, But I would say the pitching staff stuff and the thing to watch. Derek Terry, CatsPaws.com. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thanks, Tom. We'll close out this edition of the Leach Report when we come right back. Wildcat history 2014. Kentucky won its first game in the Bahamas, the uh, first of uh, six games in that exhibition tour. Uh, John Robick and Tony Barbie. Uh, Robe's still on the staff. Tony, now the head coach at Central Michigan. Both celebrating birthdays today, and former Wildcat player Sasha Kalia Jones celebrating a birthday today. Was uh, so enjoyed seeing the coverage of Mineral Mound Golf Course near Eddyville being renamed the Cullen yesterday in honor of... Uh, the late Cullen Brown, a ceremonial tee-off by his younger sister, Catherine Brown, who was one of our all-resilient uh, team athletes uh, a couple of years back. And UK Volleyball is going to have Fan Day this Sunday at Memorial Coliseum at 1230. Go to UKAthletics.com to get the details. See you tomorrow. Page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.